Hi and welcome everyone to the 43rd episode of CRM Rocks. This is Marcus Allanson and today's podcast will be about tips and tricks for a CRM admin. And with me today I have Stefan Dorokens from Nerae. Stefan is an IT architect and a product manager specializing in CRM and ERP for more than 20 years. As chief technology officer at Nerae, a Microsoft Gold Partner and a 2015 Partner of the Year in Luxembourg. He is working on major CRM implementation, both in Belgium and in Luxembourg. Crucially, Stefan helps companies to define a vision, to establish a roadmap for the product and to improve consultancy practices. In addition, he delivers speeches at CRM Extreme and Microsoft Technical Insights. Stefan co-founded CRM UD Bellux, the dynamic CRM user group for Belgium and Luxembourg. Welcome, Stefan. Thank you, Marcus. It's great to be joining you tonight. How are you doing? Fine. Um, we have a bit of a stormy night, so if you hear some thunder, then that's me, definitely. Um, how are you, Marcus? I'm great. What's a good customer relationship for you? I think I give a personal uh, my personal opinion on that. Uh, what is a, is a good uh, customer relationship is um, for me personally something that makes the customer happy. Not necessarily the end customer, but the one which is using the system. Um, I fully trust that in the way that technology has evolved, we can actually now build business system which made the customer. Uh, productive and important and actually like to use the system. That's really what motivates me when I try to uh, build a system. So who are your customers? We have customers uh, so in the French part of Belgium, Brussels and Luxembourg and it's mainly um, finance. Uh, you can guess why because of Luxembourg and uh, we also have quite a few in public sector and media. And quite a few months ago, we bought a company in New Zealand, uh, which is doing um, uh, recruitment products. So now we have uh, added quite a few recruitment companies as well. So what is it that you do? Except uh, it's trying to escape the storm, you mean. <laughs> um, my day today is uh, a CTO principally is to uh, is to help the company build the technology vision, um, which is quite interesting now because there is so many things that uh, is happening at the same time. Uh, not only Microsoft buying companies like Hell, but uh, the technology is shifting really fast. Um, so that's quite in interesting. Um, for example, um, a few time ago we started a customer prediction. Uh, practice and that's got a uh, real fun and we have a very good traction on the market on that um, and day to day when i'm not busy doing that i'm more um, architecting uh, around big projects the um, or the building crm uh, projects the common scenario is that you get to be appointed the admin of dynamic crm and Perhaps you're not sure where to start. So do you have any tips and tricks and where do I start? Well, you're a lucky guy. Huh? So <laughs> um, it's an online environment or if it's an on-premise environment that you 
Let, let's start with online. So if you have an online environment, the first thing I, uh, I would do is, um, especially if it's a new environment, is uh, going to uh, Organization Insights, which is uh, a new feature since uh, the spring release 2016. And that's uh, basically a dashboard which gives you a lot of uh, interesting things about the, the CRM, about uh, mostly usage, which is the most active user, the page rates, um, which is basically happening. It's not real time. It's like 45 minutes delay. And um, you need to activate it, if I remember correctly. It's still a preview feature. So you need to go in system settings and go activate it. And like one hour after, you get the first result. But that's interesting because you, you can actually see the usage of the system. Um, then the second thing I, I would go uh, to look for is a dashboard, which is called a server-sizing dashboard, um, which is a no standard dashboard, I think, from 2015 SP1, if I'm correct. And uh, it's uh, a very useful dashboard because it gives you, in, in at a glance, everything which is working with the mailbox interactions. And for the business, it's a very critical uh, part of the system. Basically, you get very fast escalation when uh, mailbox integration doesn't work, the all-bound or inbound email doesn't work, or appointment are not saying thing like that. And uh, this is real time, and this gives you a really uh, healthy, unhealthy uh, uh, performance of synchronization. Think of dashboard. That's really useful. So that means that if I am using server-side sync, then this is important for me. And if I don't, then I start should start using server-side sync. Well, it depends what you want to do, but uh, if it's difficult to use CRM, if well, you can, there is some pattern for that, but without actually sending emails, for example. And uh, the usual way to send email is using server-side sync online, actually. You, there is other way, like you can still use the email router, but uh, you need another component running somewhere else uh, on-premise or something like that to make it work. So I would say that if you are online, there is a very good chance not only that you're using it, but you, that you should use it. Okay, so then check for organizational insights. So that's for the users. Are the users using it and who is using it the most and so forth? And then the server side sync is, okay, are my emails running? Do I get the activities yeah. in and out? It's of a bit CMS? more than email. It's basically mailboxes integration. Like you can have appointment and task and things like that. Um, then uh, a third one I would have a look, but uh, it should have been released in spring 2016, but I checked this morning and it was still not operational. Is a, is, um, is a tool called the Data Performance Tool, which is... Uh, it normally will be embedded in a product, I hope soon. And this is a really interesting uh, tool because it's actually going to um, analyze the optimization of the systems and propose optimization on the database level. So everything we had to do by hands or uh, open a ticket at Microsoft to try to uh, create an index or thing like that is now or will be automated and you can uh, you can actually see the suggestion of the system. If you do that, then it's going to increase that, that performance by that amount, blah, 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 blah. And you can choose which one you want to activate. That's really, really, uh, really nice. But still not there. 
Okay, so this is for the things that I run into. Then I open this, or do you recommend that I just look for in this tool from time to time to to check if there yes, is yes. some issue? Yes. Um, um, basically, every week um, you have um, a release of from or maintenance of a version of Serum Online every week if you're on the latest version. So I would go and uh, and and check every week uh, if it's there, or at least you get an email well, every time it's upgraded. So after it's upgraded, I'm not sure they will make an announcement. Maybe 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 not. It depends. So for if you're on the latest, that is CRM 2016 update one now. Correct. So now they have added that what used to be once or twice, no, like every second month or something like that, they got the point one, point two, point three. Oh yeah, the the rollups. Um, you used to get rollups, which is basically rollup is the is a, is a rollup of fixes. So as time go by, um, the support get um, reported issues and they fix them. And after a certain amount of time, usually something like two months, three months, um, they package all of them together. They test them uh, fully and they release them, release it as a rollup. It's basically a bunch of fixes. And, uh, and now that's yeah. every week. On online, on online, you get updates yes. every week. Um, I presume most of, well, not only I presume, but most of them it's fixes, but, uh, I presume some of them are a bit more than fixes because some, some feature have been enabled, uh, this way. I mean, if they find a performance improvement, I, I best, I bet they, they won't wait with that. They will try it. Right. Well, uh, try is a dangerous word. <laughs> Do you want them to try with your uh, environment? I think they 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 test it. That's and then they they uh, they wore it out. Um, okay, perhaps try is a, as a badly chosen word here, but of course they will test it, but see if it gains any performance yeah, improvements. Yeah, yeah. That that's actually as... one of the sorry of the good point of online is that. Uh, if you run on-prem, Microsoft has, has no metrics. They don't know what happened inside your uh, your SQL Server, your front-ends, your back-ends. But on, online, they know everything. So they can actually have the metrics and the result of, uh, like, uh, if they think this is going to improve performance, whatever, and then deploy it, they can actually have the metrics to prove or improve what that does very fast. That's one of the very good points of online. And that releases me from having that obligation to do that myself then? Yes and no. Some of it, yes, because obviously Microsoft do uh, take, uh, make the backups, make optimization to the index, something, uh, not an index. But the data performance tool, for example, it's your choice to enable or not the, uh, the suggestion because some of them like index take uh, this space and you pay for the this space. So uh, I quite understand why you have to make the uh, the call on on those kind of uh, optimization. Maybe you don't care that it's a bit slow on that aspect, but you prefer to keep some this space. So what if my plugins are failing? What what do I do as an admin then? Oh yeah, there is another uh, area you can go, um, which is in, I think it's system settings customization, and it's called the plugin trace lock. 
So the plugin trace lock is basically uh, a lock of the execution of the plugin. Um, if if they crash, then you definitely uh, get get a lock. Or if the you can actually also activate a verbose mode. And if the developers have done their job properly, that means follow the best practice for Microsoft for coding. They actually instantiate a class which is eye tracing, and they have put some trace code. Uh, some trace line in their code so you can actually see what's happening uh, so it's not only when it's failing if it's done properly you can actually trace when it's not failing which is also could be useful for for debugging because you cannot debug CRM online obviously it, it runs on server you don't own now it has a free option set off exceptions and always yeah so what's your recommendation here? Put it on exceptions? Exception is uh, is, an ex is basically your application crash. Or uh, you have an exception, or you can even have the code to an exception. Uh, you, It's a .NET exception. So it's usually all crash or something you want to throw because the, uh, the, there is a problem with whatever happened. For example, um, the plugin has get some really bad data. So you want to throw an exception and uh, and stop the processing, but if you throw it properly, you can say why you you you, you throw it. Where does this show up? Does it show up in the system jobs, or is it a separate view then? It's a separate view. Uh, it's in the uh, plugin trace lock. Nice. You need to enable the plugin trace lock. By default, it's not enabled. Um, I do presume because that's all this space and performance reason. Um, so, but I would always, especially if a system you don't know, go and enable it and see what what you have, because uh, if you're online, you cannot see exceptions unless they are thrown to the user, or you cannot see it on the server, for example. Okay, so it doesn't show up in the system jobs anymore than if I have a a sync plugin that's failing. Or if you have an async plugin that's failing, you will also see it in the system jobs. Um, but you will have, or you may have, let's put it this way, less information in the system jobs than in the plugin trace lock. The reason is in plugin trace lock, you can also see the message which are not exceptions. And if you have a system job which is failing, you basically only get the exception with the full stack and everything, but you don't see the thing before. So um, if it's a thing, you anyway you see it in the system jobs, and you see uh, uh, you actually can drill down from the let's say you have a workflow which call a workflow assembly which blah blah blah. You can uh, actually drill down up to the uh, actual exception. What what other things do show up in the system jobs view? Well, everything. <laughs> everything. Oh, that's a lot then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so, system jobs is uh, can be pretty uh, daunting. You can easily have millions of raw data, even on a system which is not that much overloaded, uh, because the system is doing a lot of things asynchronously, like uh, computing rollups, compu uh, doing uh, some uh, maintenance uh, workflows. Uh, a lot of things are asynchronous in the system, and they are all in system jobs. And, but the most important in system jobs is you should look for uh, the one which are not successful. So um, the one uh, which are in, in error, the one which are in waiting for a long time at least. Um, 
And um, you can actually pause and resume jobs in there. So if you have a job which is taking a long time you and which is hitting the performance, you can pause it. Uh, very few, well, few people know that you can actually not stop but pause it. Um, also in system jobs, uh, maybe we speak about that when we speak about data. Um, it's you actually have to manage your system jobs because if you don't clean them or uh, configure some settings so that they auto clean, you will end up with a lot of records. And those records is going to impact performances. That's uh, that's a definite. Uh, in terms of dashboard, you don't really have a dashboard for system jobs. And I don't think you can make charts for system jobs as well. Um, so if really you want to have a, a, a better way to process them, uh, I know two patterns. The first one is you can write a report because the async operation entity, you can assess it from fetchxml, so you can create a, a report even online. And the second one is use Power BI. Uh, I don't know if you have heard of Power BI, but it's a, it's a nice, nice tool in Azure. You can connect to CRM and you can send the system jobs data to Power BI and let the BI stuff analyze it for you. But nothing exists out of the box for that, except the connection to Power BI. So the data packs that are in, or the content packs that are in Power BI today, they don't include uh, a system jobs view I for that. I don't think so. Uh, actually, I never look for it in the data packs. Uh, Perhaps uh, maybe they uh, are. Uh, I don't think so because I never saw it. But I never look for it as well. So <laughs> okay. we will have to look that up then. <laughs> maybe it's done uh, because they, they they change it uh, from time to time. So <laughs> that would be a, that would be a nice surprise. Either way, I mean, Power BI is meant for it to be easy to use, right? Yes. So that you can create your own dashboards and you can turn and and see the data from other views so even if you don't have this content dashboard i'm not sure what the, the actual name of that is but something like power bi content pack or something like that yeah that, that... even if you don't have a view for the system jobs the async view or or any of that you can pretty fast build it if it's possible to do it yeah, yeah, you can. That's why I say it's a, it's 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 a good pattern, uh, but you have a bit um, not flexibility. That's not true. Um, uh, than a report. Report is basically something you 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 can design everything in there. So Power BI is more user tool, and uh, but it's a lot easier to use for uh, a non-developer. Let's say, definitely, um, and a lot easier to work with a lot of rows too. Yes, yes, but you have some limits huh, on Power BI. Uh, don't remember by heart, but it's not that that high, at least for for CRM, not Power BI itself. It's more limitation of the of the of data. And if you want more, you need to pay. That's the thing. So, do you really want to pay to get a very nice dashboard on your system jobs, which have millions of row? Maybe, um, maybe not. <laughs> Uh, because this is definitely not in CRM, but it's it's a pattern you, you see more and more, even from Microsoft now, like the um, organization insight, for example, uh, which we spoke in the beginning. It's not done in CRM at all. It's basically the data is pushed to uh, um, App Insights. Yeah, yeah, uh, to App Insights, and App Insights use Power BI, and I think 
they even put code ana analytics or something like that in it. And then the, it goes to an optimizer, whatever, and then come back to CRM. Then you can actually see the, the, the suggestion and act on it. But the complete flow is out of CRM. And it's more and more like that. Uh, every extension of CRM more, is more an agile component than a CRM component, which is good. Huh? But uh, it's something that, for example, you cannot do on-premise. Uh, on-premise, uh, on, on all those tools don't exist. You have other things you can do on-premise, on but uh, you cannot use Power BI on-premise, for example. No, that, that that's at least harder to do. Yeah, uh, yeah, you could do, you could. Uh, I say you, I say you cannot, but it's not true. You could, but it's less evident, let's say. Uh, another thing you could do, um, did you heard about Microsoft Flow? I have heard about it, but tell me about it anyway. And uh, it's something, I had some idea, I, I, I tested the other day, and you can use Microsoft Flow to basically run an alerting system. You could uh, trigger it on some some something which are created in CRM, like a, uh, a plugin which is crashing, and you see in your entities or like that. And then you can ask the workflow, uh, the sorry, the flow to do whatever, uh, even tweet about it, or uh, uh, post, do a Instagram post about your <laughs> server which is dying or whatever. But it's really nice, and you can have a different action because. You don't really have an alerting system with CRM online. Uh, when something goes wrong, it's nice to have dashboards, but you have to go and look the dashboards, which is uh, more reactive than 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 uh, or more preemptive. So perhaps the idea is that you push a message to the office group of CRM, and there you see it, and or you're like, okay, oh, uh, I got to do something with this. Yeah. Or you get the old-fashioned way, you get an email with it. Yeah, that was the first idea. You can easily do that with an email within CRM, but uh, that's about it. You can just send an email. Uh, if you want to do, uh, if you want to do more things, then uh, uh, Flow, and I presume that is going to expand. You can send it to a SharePoint and assign it. I don't know. Yeah, I have a SharePoint workflow start uh, on that, and uh, yeah. It's it's uh, quite eye or, or mind opener about. Uh, the integration you can you can have in that and it's easy just drag and drop so this we've talked about here this is all power of or not all of it but but some of them are are powered by azure and that's for yes. online but what if i have my crm on premise what what do i have then then well you don't have azure ah depending you can run it on a vm azure but that doesn't change anything <laughs> What uh, what you have to do as an admin on on-prem is well, I don't say completely different, but it's quite 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 different. Um, first of all, you have to take care about the infrastructure. That's that's the base layer um, that you don't need to care about online, but on-prem you need to care about the infrastructure. And if you have a, a big customer, we're talking about five, six, eight, ten servers that needs to be. Uh, um, monitor it in terms of uh, CPU displays, things like that. Networking. That that's your first thing. And usually you do things like that with uh, uh, monitoring tools. Uh, Microsoft has a SCOM. Well, I'm not sure if it's still called SCOM, a System Center Operation Monitor, or they changed the name. Uh, 
Um, but there is a pack for CRM and SCOM. So if, if you have SCOM, then you just install the, yeah, you just install the pack. And then uh, monitoring is done for you. There is thousands of uh, checkpoints, health and performance monitoring. If not, you can just use uh, other tools like, uh, like Magia or something like that. That's your first thing that you need to do on-prem. If you don't monitor your system, basically the only time you will learn something wrong is when a user uh, come to you and say, ah, something doesn't work anymore. Hmm. So this hooks up to the performance counters or event log or something like that? And uh, uh, I mean, the scrum of... package is really comprehensive. It, it does all of that. It's, uh, it's not only the, um, the performance counter, but uh, the, are the service up and running? Do we have uh, alerts in the event viewer with those and those kind of uh, events? Uh, I made a presentation a couple of years ago about that, with, but yeah, it was in 2015, I think, Serum 2015, with everything you need to monitor if you don't have SCOM, <laughs> um, which is the best thing you need to monitor to be sure your system is working or, or it's healthy, let's say. Um, so that's one thing you need to do uh, on-prem. The other thing you need to do is um, the database monitoring. Database monitoring is really, really, really important for CRM. That's the bottleneck of everything, basically. Uh, except if, when you do initial load, I've never seen bottlenecks on the front ends or even the back ends. Even when the back ends are really overloaded, the bottleneck is always the database. So um, you have to optimize your database. You have to monitor your database. You have to uh, um, run every... Uh, week every month, uh, check the long running queries, the missing index, the deadlocks reports, things like that. And basically everything they, um, Microsoft has done in the data or will deliver in the data performance tool, you need to do it on-prem. The good thing is that you can do it. And online, still for now, you cannot do it. And you can just make sure your system run good. Um, another example is, um, you know, the Microsoft changed the uh, isolation level of SQL Server uh, for CRM in 20, uh, CRM 2016. They went to snapshot isolation. And that means the TMDB is used a lot. So online, you don't need to care because Microsoft is their own design. So we do presume they optimize TMDB. But on-prem, you really need to optimize your TMDB. But, but when I buy this product dynamic CRM, can I do much stuff with the database then as an admin well except maintenance of the data of the database no you 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 can never write to the database yourself or you should never huh. in the pain of death or whatever. so so it's more or less than okay so fast disks uh, a good set of disks that are running fast and then Sort of one for temp, one for data, one for logs. That That's kind of about stuff. the minimum. Usually you use a SAN. Uh, yeah, but but uh, the, one, there is some best one. practice. Huh? Like, um, you usually use VMs, even for SQL Server. Uh, I think the times of uh, really hard, dedicated hardware, even for SQL, are, are gone. So you have to have a dedicated LUN, uh, logical disk unit, on your VM for SQL Server. 
And the more dedicated learn you have, the faster it's going to be. Um, if not, what's going to happen is that you have a, ho a physical host and he has like, I don't know, five VMs on it. And those five VMs are going, are going to hit the same LUN. And when your SQL Server wants to use it and you have another SQL Server which is doing something, then you get screwed. So um, that's, really, that's really important to have a bit of dedication of the resource for your VM. Uh, because uh, CRM is really, really data intensive. It's it's an OLTP application, and uh, even now that they change to snapshot isolation, which is really good because that avoids uh, most of the deadlocks. Not not every deadlocks, but most of them, and and most and most looking as well. Uh, you still have a very very uh, impact of the database performance on the on the on the CRM. So if I try to go back to to looking at the product then, so yeah. we discussed a couple of features online. What of those are available for me as an admin or a user on-premise so, uh, then? So on-prem, you can use the server-side sync dashboard. Uh, presuming you use the server-side sync on-prem, but I would say... It's the same issue as we discussed online. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, except that... Online is really like, usually if you have online, you also have uh, Office 365 and then you need to use uh, server sizing. Uh, On-prem, you can have more exotic configurations. So you may want to use the uh, CRM email router for just for uh, other kind of reasons. Um, but but definitely the best one is server sizing. In theory, you could still use the Outlook add-in for dynamic oh, yeah. CRM. You're right. I... And then you can sort of skip the server side sync and get all the contacts and appointments and and the emails tracked from there. Fully agree with you. Uh, I tend to forget that this still exists. Basic uh, at every project I am involved since two years, I try to kill the or took Adin. Um, not that I don't like it. Um, they still do big improvement on it, I think, but it's a disaster to support. It's a disaster to maintain. Um, I don't know if you have, if you work on uh, installation with the Outlook add-in, but it's it's really difficult to install, maintain, support, upgrade everything. Um, and the customer complains because it's pretty slow, but there is not much. They, I think it's like the fifth or the sixth iteration of it. It's on top of Outlook, and Outlook itself is not the most stable product in the world. And you have an add-in on top of Outlook, which is doing a zillion thing. Uh, and I, then you have this feature go offline inside of that, and that can yes. make the thing explode even. <laughs> and more and more, uh, it wasn't the case maybe two, two or two and a half years ago, the customer really loved the add-in, but no. It's quite easy to convince them not to use them because uh, all the new features, like you can uh, track emails by uh, uh, dropping them in a specific folders. You can, um, you have the apps. There is a lot of way, you have the server sizing. There is a lot of way you can basically not use it. And uh, also for the customer, it's it's good. It's, it's nice, but it's only working on Outlook in Windows. And more and more people use different kind of device, and they, they that that gives some problem if you have a, uh, an iPad and uh, uh, and a phone. And uh, what do you do? 
because this tool is not only going to work on a, a Windows PC with Office. So I don't think that's the way to go. Uh, the way to go is the new OWA uh, uh, app, which is uh, available on Office 365. That one is web-based, so a lot more portable. I think so too, and and I think that they will get it even better f during the, I mean, more features and and more easy to to use and and things like that. Yeah, they promised us to put it what the appointments. I think huh? I heard that they are going to put appointments in in it, which is good. Yeah, it is a uh, definitely better and an improvement, but. I mean, if we try to, again here to go back, the the system jobs view must yeah, be yeah. inside yeah. CRM. Yeah, yeah, right. You have the premise. exact same system jobs views and capabilities that you have uh, on online. The thing you need to do on top of that, um, you have a service which is called uh, um, Dynamic CRM Async Service Between Brackets Maintenance. Um, and it's a very important service because that service is the one which is going to trigger all the maintenance job of CRM. Uh, database cleanup, uh, pending deletes, um, database sizing, you have in it. Um, there is a lot of stuff in it. And this so thing has a potency to you do, All of the things that you do, don't do yourself, but... It is included in the product. Correct. It's 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 fully part of the product. It's installed when you install it, but you have to check it because sometimes some maintenance uh, jobs don't perform for X reason. Like uh, could be because you run out of the space during the weekend when it's running. I don't know. Uh, but if you don't look for it and, and monitor it, it your system is going to uh, degrade more and more. And um, until the, the 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 user are going to really complain, so uh, and you can easily spot that before it happens if you if you monitor the uh, uh, the maintenance jobs. Also, something uh, to know when you install the maintenance job is going to run at the time you install. So you better reschedule them. There is a tool for that so that they run at night and not at the time you actually press the install button. Hmm. That's really good to know, so that you can choose your maintenance window yeah. more specifically and not just, oh, it happened to be free on the clock in the afternoon when everyone is working. That's yeah, it's usually something like three in the afternoon. I think you've been there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, and, We've but, all been there, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, I don't remember the name of the tool, but you, you can Google it. It's a tool to edit the, uh, the, the maintenance jobs. And it's pretty well done. You can just uh, choose which period and uh, the, the recurrence and things like that. Okay, so, and then you discussed something like alerting. Can I still do that uh, on-premise, on that I can get those emails? Well, alerting, I presume, is... I didn't check that, but uh, I'm not sure Microsoft Flow, for example, if you're speaking of Microsoft Flow, we'd be able to consume... No, I'm sure it's not, because uh, uh, you need to be in the same O365 instance. So that one won't work with on-prem. But you have other tool for on-prem. Um, so if you have SCUM, use SCUM, because it's doing the complete alerting. Um, 
If you have another tool like uh, Nagios, you can just point Nagios to the event viewers, to the CRM uh, trace logs, and things like that to trigger. You will need to configure it, but you can trigger uh, alerts. You also have um, a tool called the PAL tool, which is the uh, performance analysis of logs, which is a tool which allows you to basically, well, it's less alerting, but it's more analysis. It's basically when you think there is something wrong, you just run that tool. And uh, I should update the templates, but I wrote the templates for, I think, for CRM 2015 latest. And you just analyze it and tell you what you think is not right in the system, uh, which is really, really useful because it's going to analyze thousands of things. And if not, you so can. So that uh, might look sorry? at the performance counters and all of that stuff yes, in that yes. computer where you run it. Yeah, yeah. You run it for like one hour or even more, and you just captured a massive amount of data. And after that, you will analyze it uh, versus uh, known best practice and performance uh, uh, threshold and things like that. Yeah, because I mean. If you start the performance counters in ZRM and you just browse through them, there's no way to to sort of know, okay, which are important? That's the first one. And then the second one, what's a good value? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it 1, 10, or 100? Is good, is, is it higher, better than lower for this value? And all of that stuff. And that's why you need a sort of a, a PAL. Yeah, and that's yeah. the PAL tool. It's, it's like a template. Uh, not a, not all of the thresholds are, are perfect, but it, it gives you, I think, a, a rough idea about where things are not really behaving the way they're supposed to be. And it's a lot better than starting from scratch. It's a, yeah, sure. it's a lot better because it, I think... I should give you the links to the presentation I did about even your world, but it's like there is thousands of performance counters and events. <laughs> so yeah, where we'll do you start? Which one do you today. take? Uh, um, and if you take a complete Windows system, because the, the counter may be not for CRM counter, but it could be a .NET counter, uh, then like it's like crazy. It's dozens of thousands of counters. I don't even know the server can run before <laughs> those counters. <laughs> um, okay, so then yeah. I can go even further, right, with the tracing for dynamic CRM. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, that's something you can really do on-prem that you have no way to do it, at least for now, on, online, is you can activate the tracing. And um, you can activate tracing on any layers of the platform um, or all the all the complete platform on specific or all servers, and you can. I think you have three. You have verbose warning and errors. And uh, uh, if you have a monitoring tool, what I sometimes do um, is you activate the tracing just with errors, and you point your uh, a tool like Nagios do that really fine. You point it at the at the at the tracing files, and just reading them. And, uh, and and just raising alert from the tracing file and not from uh, the event viewer, for example, because you have a lot more in the tracing file. So that means that you sort of filter what's going on inside CRM and where when there is an error or an exception, then that goes through to yeah. the tracing folder. So if you use it for default, I think it defaults to verbose, right? So you 
I always do it with the registry, so there is no default in the registry. Uh, I know there is a tool to enable it, but uh, I, I'm a bit of old school on that one. Uh, I uh, I always found that tool, and don't even know what it's doing behind the scenes. So it's like four, five maximum registry keys. So uh, it's quite easy to uh, to enable, disable, uh, put the right level. Um, and then to, you yeah. can actually filter a lot of things. I mean, yeah. you can filter for those SQL errors and application errors and stuff like that. I'm I'm not pretty sure exactly what your choices are, but I. Well, it's all the platform layers, uh, yeah. which which are basically I think uh, coming from the Microsoft classes, the the way they name the classes in the in the in the code. Okay. Um, Ah, by the way, uh, you should never, unless you're crazy, ring, uh, read the trace lock with Notepad. There is very nice tools uh, that you can find, like the Serum, Serum Trace Reader, and I think there is two of them, but I, I use that one. And that's basically can help you to do everything. You just can trace, uh, you can uh, you can filter on a given operations. You can say yes, but give me. Uh, the reverse, uh, just go to that thread, just find this thing, and you go 10 times faster. It gets kind of tools. Yeah. And you can point it to the folder. And yeah, as well. You're right. All the files <laughs> you here. can uh, point it on the folder and then just take all the files. <laughs> yes, sort these in, in descending so I get the latest one first, and then I just don't care about the files anymore. Also, it's quite useful if you have a lot of servers, you just trace all of them and you just copy all the files uh, in one folder and say open folder so you can trace one operation from one server to another in in, in the same uh, with the same tool which is very difficult to do by hand very difficult okay so that is I've, we've talked a lot about here uh, maintenance of of the actual servers and performance and uh, and stuff like that but if I try to look at my data, then what can I do? What, what's taking up all of my CRM space? It's a good question. Um, and it's valid for both online and on-prem because uh, on-prem you can have massive da database of uh, customer with uh, one, two, even more than two terabytes of data. And uh, online, it's a bit more difficult to reach terabyte because I think the maximum is like a bit below one terabyte and it's costing like hell. Um, but I presume you can. You can just call to Microsoft and they will make a separate instance for you. But even then, um, there is a lot of optimization you can do to uh, take back the data, especially online. Um, if I take some known culprits, it's like the system jobs. Uh, we spoke about about the uh, about the system jobs before, but uh, you can easily have millions of rows of system jobs, easily, not doing anything much special. You're creating some workflow, workflow, uh, do another thing, which calls something, and then and the system itself is generating a lot of them. So the best practice, uh, there is two of them, depending what you want to do. Uh, the easiest is to say, um, for example, on the process, you can say when the process is completed, I want you to delete the system jobs history because it's completed. That's very easy to do. It's just a checkbox. 
But uh, the drawback of that is that um, you actually lose the execution history for the successful one. If they fail, you, you will never delete them, so you can still see them. But um, so you can do a lot less uh, analysis uh, on that. And also there is a delete tax because every time he's creating jobs, he's deleting them. And delete is a very, very, very uh, IO intensive operation in SQL Server. So I would go for another best practice, which is don't check that one and create build delete jobs, which delete them when they are successful after a period like one day or two days. So that helps you to see what's happening in the system. At the same time, you keep it clean. And you can schedule the build delete jobs to be off hours as well. So would you recommend that fast? Go go delete after one or two days or not not a week or something like that? Well, it depends on your system. If you have a, a, a small CRM online with not a lot of data and things like that, okay, why not just you check the box and the system will just work. If we're speaking about customer with a lot more data and users, then the impact of the delete, you may see it actually. So you'd better do it the uh, more expensive way and create build delete the job and schedule that off hours. Um, only issue I found with that is that build delete jobs can time out, especially online. I don't remember by heart what is the timeout, but it's not that high. So uh, you have to do it quite often if you don't want to get the timeout. So if you want to do it every week, uh, and if it's a service system, you have too much to delete for one build delete job. So perhaps my proposal is not that you delete a week worth of data. It's just that you delete everything that's older than one week. So it's still just one day worth of data, but you keep it ah, just yeah, a yeah, little bit longer. Yeah, why not? It just depends your 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 business case about why you want to keep one week of successful uh, workflows operation, for example. I don't know. Maybe I'm just I'm no. just being. <laughs> overly cautious <laughs> but but yeah but you're right what i don't like in this just box is that if it's successful you see nothing or, or very for a very short amount of time you see something um so you mean that that if you have this plugin registration tool that you can check this box delete it when it's completed yeah. and then it will remove itself very fast yes it's 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 like it never happened. Yeah, and you have no trace that it happened. Uh, except if you enable audit, and that gives us uh, my second big table. <laughs> so, but yes, audit can grow pretty fast. Audit log is like is like a space hog. Uh, uh, I've got customer because the concept, business-wise, the, the people like it. Huh? Oh, I can audit everything that, uh, every data that's been changed. I know who has changed it and when the old value and things like that. It's really nice. What they forget is that that can, if you audit everything, you get millions of things. <laughs> um, mm. And the thing, not only you get millions of things, but no one is going to read them because there is millions of things. And even if you open a, a contact and you trace everything, you will get hundreds of things. No one's going to read. And that takes a lot of space. And the issue with that is that you can only delete by date. The only option you have with audit is delete by date. 
So you cannot say, I'm going to keep the audit log for that entity and not that entity. And uh, no, you can't. You can just select dates. That means that uh, the best practice is really, really think what you want to edit and only audit the thing you want to have. So you should really have you tried be, the uh, XRM yeah. toolbox for this. Uh, I have used it, yes. And uh, well, XRM toolbox is really nice, huh? so you can uh, gain a lot of time for that. But but it's more it's more let's say a business best practice. You have to educate the user that say there is a heavy impact to auditing. Uh, so the default should not be let's audit it because we don't know. The default should be let's audit it when we show we need to audit it. That's a bit of change of mind. Uh, yeah, it's especially online because it's it's basically a power user feature. You can just just enable it. Huh? And so I've seen that a lot that it was enabled on way too many things. Yeah, I mean all the default, all the standard fields. I think are activated by default. And if you don't have them on any form, just remove them from the audit as well. Yeah, you're right. Uh, just keep... And I think, yeah. And I think that XRM tool, there there is a plugin that says just activate the things that are on the form and then you can start from there so you don't have yeah, to go yeah. through all of the fields that are not present on any forms for that entity. That's a good start, but even it's not because the field is on the form that you should audit it. I should really, it needs to have a business reason for it. Um, because every every single time I've seen the customer which actually audited too much, they never ever used the audit because there was too much in it. So it's really something you need to be cautious of. It's a nice feature, but maybe it's a bit too easy for the user to enable it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you should be the warning. This is this is actually serious, and we are really going to edit your data. Um, so what about all of the attachments that I have for yeah, for yeah, my that's emails biggest... that I've been tracking for the last eight years? So you have uh, you have two kind of attachments. You have the uh, I think the usually the biggest uh, is the email attachment. So activity mime attachment. Uh, it's usually like 50 to 75% of the world database. I mean, if you use emails, huh? some customers don't really use much emails, but uh, when you have server sighting and email integration, email attachments are uh, bigger and bigger every day. Right? It was never designed to send attachments, but at the end, that's what's arrived. And... Yeah, and I mean, you have these tiny icons on on every email signature and that I know, gets tracked I know, and I know. every time they get tracked and there are new instances of the same exact mini mini image yeah, yeah, yeah. every single time. Um, so there is quite a few things you can do. You can actually, well, there is a thing first, you cannot, if you want to bulk delete them because you say, okay, let's delete all attachment of emails. I don't know. Uh, which are coming from this period and these users. Uh, you, can act you actually cannot do it because uh, the email attachment can only be delete when the email is in draft. And usually the email is not in draft. When you get an email, it's not in draft. When you send an no. email, it's not in draft anymore. So I would say 99.99% of the email, you cannot delete the attachment. 
are uh, completed. Yeah. But uh, there is a block. Uh, I think it's EMEA support, if I remember correctly, um, which gives kind of snippet of code to to do it. If not, it's quite easy to write. Huh? But um, by default, you cannot do it. There is also a third party by I know one by uh, MSRM Adams, uh, which is busy. Which is taking attachment and pushing them to, for example, SharePoint. Can we try to find the, the blog post and, and the links here so people can, yeah. can find it easily? We can add it to the show notes. Good point. Good point. Uh, let's try it. Let, let's try to find it and see if we can add it so people can find this, these tools then to, yeah, to sort of right. delete the, the attachments and, and they can read more about it there, right? Yeah, sure. And then you mentioned there was one other, right? One other attachment inside well, Serum. It, it's that's an, not the... It, it, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So that's... Annotations, uh, that's right? Annotation, yeah, annotation base, uh, which is the docu- when you do documents, huh? but not using the SharePoint integration. And that's where I want to go. I don't think there is any really good reason not to use the SharePoint. Uh, integration, unless you have very, very few documents and you don't want to bother with that, I'm fine with it. But then you don't have a problem with this space in annotation. If you have a lot of documents and this space usage in annotation, you should definitely activate the SharePoint integration and push it there. Because SharePoint is actually a document management tool and CRM is not. So there is so many features you can actually do with SharePoint that like searching in a document like CRM will never do or uh, having management of metadata or whatever. Or um, just updating an, a document so you don't have to download it, edit uh, it and then upload and replace it. So there is really no good reason to uh, have big amount of space taken by notation base. If you have taken a, a big amount of space by that one, then you should uh, change. The only reason you could, should not use SharePoint is when you actually don't use document and maybe you attach three of them somewhere. Okay, fine, but uh, that's it. Okay. So, so this space on SharePoint, especially for online, is a lot cheaper than CRM. So um, I think it's like five or six times cheaper to use SharePoint this space than CRM this space. So that makes a lot of sense in terms of cost, of cost as well. But can I have like eight years worth of activities inside CRM? Does that make sense? Can you? Yes. I do have customers that have eight years uh, of activities, which is millions and dozens of millions of activities because they want it this way. Is it really useful? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, we, we registered that we called this person eight years ago. Yeah, exactly. What's what's the value of that information right now? The thing I think you have to differentiate between using the information is in, in the day-to-day and losing the information. So in that case, you could go to archiving. Uh, you could say, I'm going to archive all data older than, I don't know, five years and uh, just delete the rest and use my CRM with the, with the data which is newer 
than five years. The point or the issue with that is that there is no real easy way to archive CRM. There is quite a few things you can do, but uh, or tool you can use, but it's not that easy to archive CRM. Um, the, I would say the easiest you can do, and now you can do it with online as well, is you can just take a backup of the dat database. So you take a backup of the database, you put it somewhere, uh, Azure Storage or your, your normal SQL Server backup, uh, and you can restore it on an other SQL Server or restore it on wherever. Uh, you cannot lose the data. And that's a good practice for online either either way, right? Well, I mean, online... then Microsoft doesn't prevent you from accidentally deleting your entire customer I mean, deleting all of the accounts and then Cascade deletes just rips through your uh, data. Yes, but one of the best practices is I never give user rights to delete. <laughs> never. Um, well, well that is a good practice not to have delete I've, rights. I've seen too much problems with exactly what you say. It's, it's, hmm, I thought I was just deleting this. Uh, and they were deleting, yeah, uh, and the cascade delete everything behind it. So, um, deactivation is really a tool made for that because there is very, actually very, very few cases where you want to delete the data. Uh, the only one I can think is that a user created a record by mistake. It's the only case which is valid in a business wise, uh, sense. If not, why don't, or you want to delete the complete thing, but that's archiving. Or uh, you want just to inactivate it because the data needs to be there for the CRM to make reporting on it or detect that it's a duplicate of a guy which has already came three years before. So do you suggest then that I do this backup regularly and then sort of delete all of the data that's well, older than the thing like is, five years? Well, first, archiving is usually not something you do uh, every week or every month. It's usually something you do once a year. On online, there is a trick thing is that um, now you can make backups, but those backups, as f if I read the documentation, they say we, you can keep them until one year. So I don't know what happened after one year. Do they delete them? Or uh, can you take it from the Azure storage and copy it somewhere else? That's not clear yet uh, what you can do with that. Or on prem, you can do well, whatever you, you want. If you have it on your Azure storage, then probably you can keep it because you pay for the storage, right? That's my guess. That you have, you can always access the Azure storage another way and take the file and put it somewhere else. But how do you restore it after that? In which format is it? Anything like that? that um, I yeah. presume it's just a SQL Server backup, but I'm not sure. Um, I couldn't test it yet. And do you actually want to work with the one-year-old? customer database well if you speak about archiving yes you do because um for uh statutory reason for example you have to keep some record for uh some of customer insurance and bank is 20 years no is it really serum data you need to keep uh they don't know because it's difficult to make the difference between the data you need to keep and the data you don't need to keep. So they prefer to keep everything for 20 years, including CRM. So it just, 
no one is going to actually to read the, that data or it's going to be really costly. I always say my customer, when you archive, consider it's gone. Because the cost to restore is is uh, like three or four times the cost to uh, to uh, archive it first. You need to environment, you need to restore, you need to make it work. It's just tremendous cost. So if you archive, consider it's gone, you will only restore it when like it's a legal reason or you have, I don't know, something which really um, uh, makes sense in terms of cost. Yeah, if you have you have to show the auditor or something that yeah. you have a specific set of data then okay let's let's find it let's get it up yeah. and running here we can prove it look at it there it is fine close it down again so i do presume in azure you would be able to do that but it's quite new so uh um i hope so on prem it's quite easy you basically take the uh, Every year a backup, and this one goes to tape, and the tape go to a hidden storage somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> that's in an underground storage. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, in a in a tree Bunker. bunkers, which are. Yeah. Uh, and if you want to restore it, it's got it costs something like five thousand euro. But yeah, everyone help. Yeah. Oh well. So if I'm if I'm looking at my data quality, then people are complaining that there are duplicates all over the place and I don't know, I'm tired of getting requests to merge account and contacts and all of this stuff. What do I do? Well, about data quality, I think you have some key points to 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 get the customer to understand. Is that um, data quality is a, is a com- complete, uh, complete vision that doesn't if you, for example, deduplicate uh, duplicate de- detection, that won't really work well if you don't have a sanity check beforehand. So data quality doesn't... You have no magic trick. It starts with the source, then the translation from the source, then the sanity check when you import the source. Like a good example is web forms. Usually we import web forms in leads because it may be crap. But the more you sanitize the input on the web form, the more you can use the deduplicate detection on the CRM, for example. So it's 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 complete flow that needs to have uh, data uh, data quality. And about duplicate de- detection, there is something to know is that on premise you can actually extend the number of, of rules because I think it's five by default max, and uh, it's not that high. Um, online, you cannot extend it. I never find a way to extend it. So you have to be creative. And also, when you create duplication rule, it takes a while to... Uh, when you create a rule, it's going to create hash code, which is the matching code for uh, uh, find the, the duplicates. But every time you change a rule, it's going to recompute all the hash codes. So if you have like uh, millions of customers and you change a rule, you have to wait quite a bit of time uh, to have the rule that is enabled and uh, processed properly. Uh, most of people know we just think it doesn't work, but you need to wait basically. <laughs> so once you save it and publish it, it will start to yeah. okay. Let let's calculate all of the hashes for the new rule, and then we can apply it to the users to sort of fast and and quick see okay this email already exists over here are you sure you want to create a new one with this email yeah yeah 
Uh, but you need to wait a bit. It depends on the amount yeah. of data. Um, and, uh, and the thing also is that the duplicate detection in CRM is, uh, I would say, is in the hand of the user. It's only proposition. Like if it says, okay, maybe this guy is a duplicate. What do you want to do? Even if, if, if it's in the batch mode, the batch mode is says, there is the potential duplicates you may have. Uh, you don't have a forced, uh, I think there is a third party somewhere to do that, to actually enforce duplicate, uh, the merge of the records and things like that. I think when you import it, right, you can say don't import duplicates. Yes, you're duplicate. right, you're right. In import, you can say don't. Um, but it's also a kind of interactive process because after that, you see whether one it is an import. Most of the imports, except the one you get files like that, are, uh, some f are automated. And on those one, what do you do? <laughs> do you automatically merge them? Do you? Uh, it's 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 not such an easy uh, question. I understand why they always ask the user, but uh, um, it takes a lot of time if you have to have do, uh, good data quality. I think the one where I found the best data quality, they actually had a team of people doing that. Oh really? Really, like uh, you you know the batch process which run the duplicate uh, detection. You can run that at night, for example, and give you proposal. They had people which like two hours per day. They just were reading it and uh, merging, changing records, things like that. It was mm. uh, yeah, and that worked beautifully. Yeah, then you will have really good data quality in your CRM system. But that's a but, huge cost in terms you of have to You have to reach a certain scale to be able to support that. I agree. I agree. Um, but it all depends. The thing is, if you don't have that much recourse and that much user, you don't have that much problem as well because how, how many duplicates can you have when you have 500 customers? So those... Those problems tend to scale uh, pretty well with the the with the uh, with the resources. Like for example, in those projects, you have master data management usually, and CRM is not a master data management tool, so you, you have to use uh, I think SQL Server data service or um, Informatica or thing like that to do the master data management. So what about orphan records? I mean, contacts without a parent, customer, or activities without anything regarding or stuff like that. That's something you can you can you can use your system to uh, basically clean those kind of orphan records. But it's not always that easy. Like activities without regarding, is it really? Do you really want to delete them all? Because Maybe you just have a two and a CC, but no regarding, and that's a, that's an email. So I'm not sure you really want to delete emails with no no regarding. Um, Perhaps you just want a view with them, and then you can see them and act on them and sort of yeah. point the user to. You better send a regarding here because otherwise we will never find this email. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but uh, it's more like okay, you have you have inputted all those emails or send them to CRM and you didn't put a regarding. Okay. It's on the dashboard of the user. It's more like a manual process. Um, in terms of orphan, usually the, the CRM is pretty well designed in terms of uh, um, data integrity for, for not data quality, but data integrity. But people can change that. You know the cascading rule? 
uh, in the relationships, you can actually change the complete system behavior nearly everywhere. And usually when people do that, and uh, that, and they're a bit uh, over-optimistic in it, they actually say, okay, don't cascade the delete or do it in other way, or only do it for the active records, for example, or thing like that. And then you start to get records which are, uh, well, data integrity is not, is not ensuring the cascade. So you, when you want to change the cascading rule, just be, just be cautious because that's, that's the place where you can break the data integrity. If not, it's very difficult to, to break it. Uh, there is one or two few places when, when out of the box you, you can mess it up, but if not, it's really, really difficult to get off on records. So. so where will you be next? What are you up to? What I'm busy with now, um, we are we are busy organizing the. Uh, you know, I was one of the sponsors of the Belgium user group, for Belgium and Luxembourg, sorry, <laughs> uh, user group for CMM. So we are busy organizing the next quarter meeting, going to be in September, and we're trying to do it at the sea for once. And they were all in around Brussels, so now we want to do it at the sea. And that's going to be interesting to see if we have people coming at the seat <laughs> for CRM. Thank you, Stefan, for your participation in CRM Rocks. Thank you, Marcus. It was a pleasure, like always. And thanks to you for listening. And don't forget that you can subscribe to CRM Rocks. Just search for CRM Rocks in your favorite podcasting app and you will find it right there. And I publish every episode to Facebook and LinkedIn, so be sure to look for CRM Rocks there. See you next time on CRM Rocks.